You know, I hear a lot about the great resignation, but those I mentor and work with have been facing a much different reality, the great rejection. Companies' current hiring practices unwittingly reject millions of U.S. workers, as many as 27.4 million, leaving today's best and brightest with inboxes full of rejection letters. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk, because today's guest believes these professional snubs can teach us far more than success can. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jealous. Today's guest, Dr. Eli Joseph, is an author, an educator, and a TEDx speaker who currently serves as a faculty member at Columbia University and Queens College. Using rejection to fuel his professional achievements, by age 24, he earned a doctorate degree while teaching at an Ivy League institution. And his new book, The Perfect Rejection Resume, A Reader's Guide to Building a Career Through Failure, compiles lessons about failure from his own life experiences and those of seven influential thought leaders. Welcome to the show, Eli. Thank you for having me on, Rob. I really appreciate the intro. Well, you bet. And we got a lot of work to do because I really want to carve into some of the things you're saying here. I know with managers for me, and I tell people that I'll learn more from a bad manager than a good manager, sadly, because sometimes the good managers, they're somewhat seamless. So although we're experiencing a very nice reality, we're not we don't really know what they're doing necessarily. But when you've been with somebody that's been difficult and you feel the pain and the uh, sometimes the embarrassment, these are lessons that stay with us. So I'm a I'm a fan of rejection somewhat. But you, your story is an incredible one. You, you, uh, what I've read is you personally overcame more than 1,500 educational and professional rejections, and yet you use them to become successful. How in the world did you not lose hope? Well, I know that all it takes is just one. All I need is one opportunity. So even if I'm shooting and I've missed, it's not basketball or any other sport where you've missed so much and then you get stuck out the game. This is real life. So when you shoot so much and all you need is just one with that mindset, I will continue to compile rejection. I'll make a note of that. And I'll always keep a note to myself, it's a mental note that you're going to hear from me one day. Those who rejected me, they will hear from me one day, one way or another. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not holding a grudge or holding some type of animosity towards them. It's just that you're going to hear from me one day and the tables will reverse. So I always believe in tables reversing and the tables will turn per se, where, um, you know, someone who have not hired me or did not hire me in the past will hire me in the future. In the, in, right. In the right. No. And I, I get that part. You know, I, um, the very first book I ever wrote is called how to run seminars and workshops. And, I don't, I've never told this story before, but I, I had been teaching. I was 23 years old. It was much earlier in my career. I was teaching flood insurance and I did a program and a, one of the government uh, imp, uh, evaluators wrote on a participant guide. And I counted them 72 comments and 71 of them were negative. And I really, I almost gave it up. I thought maybe this isn't the right field for me. I'm not really good at this. Anyway, some years later, I wrote my book, How to Run Seminars and Workshops. I found that person's address 
and I did, I didn't dedicate her. I wrote their name in there, you know, to, uh, well, the person's name was Gloria. I don't think I'm giving too much to Gloria. You know, thanks for the inspiration. And I shout it right in that mailbox. So I, <laughs> I get the part about uh, fueling. And I think you said something important, which is uh, it's not necessarily anger. It more inspired me than made me angry. Is that where you're coming from, Eli? Yes, it's funny because I'll also share another story as well. The genesis behind the book, it came from a comment, a similar comment. So last year, around June, there was a Forbes column that came out and it featured my work in academia. And in the comment section, someone responded saying, it's so easy for him to talk about academia. Ivy League by the age of 24, he got it so easy. He has a silver spoon. So why, why, should, why should Forbes even interview this guy? Right. And I'm like, okay, no, no problem. I'll keep that mental note. And I said, you know what, there's, there's a lot more negative, you know, experience that I've had in, in the past rather than positive. I've been rejected so many times and I failed so many times. So I guess this is where the book comes into light because people don't know until you let them know what's going on. And in social media, we're so used to just sharing our positive. We're so used to sharing our highlights but we don't spend time to share our low lights and people tend to, to gravitate towards that authentic story as well. I agree with you. I, I wrote a piece one time called the pursuit of imperfection of how much more relatable that is and how much pressure we put on ourselves to be perfect. Uh, even if you could achieve it uh, and still be mentally sound, <laughs> I, I question whether people can even relate to it. Uh, you know, uh, as a professional speaker, I only went through one slump and I couldn't understand why my evaluations were going down. I, I was getting better and better at what I was doing. And I finally, I flew another Xerox instructor out who I respected. And he said, you're, you're coming off almost too perfectly. You're, you, you, you seem to know every answer to every question. And the moment that I softened up a little bit and didn't have to be the smartest guy in the room and humbled myself a bit, right back up, went to, went to the evaluations again. So it's it's a lesson to us all, I guess, that we can learn from rejection and um, and and embrace it. Uh, I, I, I'm just very impressed you were able to embrace over 1500 of them. We, we, how about when you wrote your book? How many how many rejections did you receive from that book? I mean, whew, I'm still getting rejected right now, actually. <laughs> Um, even, if, even when the book is out, no, you, you're good. I, I had one that come like came like a year and a half later. I'm laughing because they're not done yet. They're still yeah, they're coming, not, but not at all. They're not, they're not done. And even, even when I talked about not only just the publication side where as, as far as the traditional publishers, but when I'm writing pieces and articles, right. And I'm trying to, when I'm trying to piss off the New York times, I'm getting, I'm getting rejected there too. Yeah. I'm getting rejected as far as my, my, my piece of my articles that's, that's coming out. So as far as my writing skills, they're pretty decent, right? I just published a book, but many, a lot of people and a lot of publishers did may not gravitate towards it. And that's okay. That's the idea of the re resume. This is why I say it's perfect to someone's um, idea. It's, it's okay. It's totally fine to get rejected. If I was not rejected by so many, like if I were not rejected by so much organization institution, I would not have a story. I would not be here. Right. So um, I, it's totally fine. I let people know it's okay to fail. It's totally fine. It's actually a part of your story. 
and the more you, you, you fail, the more you, you're good at failing, it's also a, a complete opposite. You will succeed much more. Right. And, I, and I, want, I want people to hear those words that you just heard. Part of your story. I agree with you. It is. It's part of our story that, you know, um, going up that big mountain, is, it's an exciting story to tell. I, I, it's not that exciting when somebody just gives you an elevator right up the mountain. In other words, well, you know, I'll write it for you. And I already know this and that. Well, congratulations, you're an author, but that's not the way it usually works. That's not the way life works. So um, just very impressive. I, I feel like we're kind of cut from the same cloth here. I'm smiling. Folks, you can't see actually both of us are smiling right now in this conversation because um, this is not a depressing conversation for people who are who put themselves out there. Listen, when you when we stay safe, good news is you don't have to worry about being rejected. But who wants to live a, a life of of safety? Uh, you know, like it, it's oh, and once again, when I when I tell people that it's OK, they're like, you sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure you, you'll make it out alive. It's totally fine to get a no every now and then. And yeah. you know this is and this goes to the point of within the book, and I said that renters do it every day. When I say renters do it every day, we're talking about your landlord, which is your goals. Those are your goals. You have a new landlord every now and then. You have to sign a new lease, and you have to pay rent every single day. And that rent, the currency of rent, is your effort. So whether you succeed or whether you fail, as long as you put forth that effort, you're still paying off your rent. And most people, most people don't believe that, you know, it's like, it's okay to fail because once again, you're so used to just putting it under, underneath the rug. You're so used to just, you know, shoving up the rug and, and not worried about it. We, we just, we're told to, you know, worry about the positive, worry about, you know, finding ways to succeed and not focusing on and not forgetting the lessons that we learned from our failures. Yeah. And that's basically where that, you know, that's, that's why it's important to have that resume, that rejection resume. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, but then you take it further. You, you, you're, you're, you're like rejection on steroids because you, you also write about and talk about that um, the lessons learned from our failures, that um, it's time to promote them, that you, you almost like to promote them. Walk me through that because that was a part where I, I, I you had me until there and I said, man, this guy is, is really utilizing, you know, these these failures talk to me about how it's a it's more so of a reverse tactic it's a marketing it's a marketing tool you can use it but it's a reverse tactic and how i think about it is if you're winning so much right and you succeed right and you post it i'm pretty sure you have comments saying oh you know well, what about this what about this oh you may not and they they pick and choose they nitpick on the negatives to try to bring that negative side out okay, well, what if I show you all of my negative story and all of my negative experience? What are you going to say now? Or what, you know, so it's like, what are you going to say? If, once I say, yeah, I've, I've been rejected at Columbia. And you know, when people say, yeah, rightfully so, you didn't deserve to be at Columbia. Well, I'm at Columbia University right now. I'm teaching. So it's more so of a, it's a reverse tactic where I want to show you my negative side so you can't use it against me. Right. Right. That's why I, I dive in deep. I, I go in, I go in deep into the, you know, the rejection aspect, because if I tell you about my rejection, you can't use that against me. You can't right. dox me into a, a situation where I'm just basically posting up my, my positive 
stories, my, my success stories. I post my negative stories, my failures, my rejection. And then you can say, okay, have you ever succeeded? And then I can say, yeah, I've succeeded before. Here's my story on, on the opposite spectrum of, you know, my life as far as if I succeeded or if I failed. That's yeah. why it's important. I, I, I dive into that. I'm confident in my failure as well. Right. Well, you certainly do sound very confident. You're like a subject matter expert on failure. I, I and, and, and don't take a swing at me for that. I think it's a compliment. <laughs> so, uh, but... But, you know, I, I just met with a bunch of people today. They're all going through interviews, et cetera. Take, how about in an interview? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I certainly think that a, a conversation about rejection is okay. But how deep do, we, do you recommend we dive in if we're face-to-face with a recruiter or with a hiring manager? All right. Now, at this point, we have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to go in too deep about failures because you don't want to give in that you don't want to give that wrong impression. Um, now, if you if the hiring manager is following you on LinkedIn, if they're following you on social media, which is possible that they may follow you on LinkedIn or they may reach out to, to as an invite on LinkedIn, and you share that story, it, it depends on the time and place. LinkedIn is fine, but in, during an interview it may not be a good idea. So if you're you're at an interview, you can go in and you can basically scrape the top of the, you know, the mountain as far as, you know, just talking a little bit about your rejection, how you overcome that. That basically gives them the impression that you can overcome failure. You don't want to go in too deep because you will have a dark and negative conversation. However, if you share your, if you share your stories about, you know, rejection and failure on LinkedIn and it goes viral, it can give it can give that positive impression, where you know to the hiring managers you may have that positive you know the the positive awareness around you, and you also have a good network. Um, so, it, it and I tell people if you want to share your resume, do not share your rejection resume on online as 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 with the employers. Don't share with your employers. Share online with everyone else. Right. right? And share right. your, your resume with your employees as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I work with a guy and I love, he has a process. It's called a, um, whenever we're dealing with difficult things, it's called a factual, positive, factual. And, um, it, you know, it, it, no, let me reverse that actually. It's called a positive, factual, positive. There we go. Uh, and, and what it does is it, it, and we could use it sort of for the conversation we're having right now to bring up rejection in an interview, I don't think is the end of the world. I think what I'm hearing you say, Eli, is you know, we don't have to live there and we don't have to overdo it. Um, but it's a very human part of that. And to apply a positive factual positive would be say, you know, working with X company was one of the greatest uh, experiences of my life. Uh, the fact is that the company went through a reorganization and jobs were and so mine was. But I'll always look back with and 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 then they put something positive back on it. So I'm dealing with rejection in a sense, but I'm not dealing with it of, you know, they 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 never really got to know me. I'm a I'm a good guy. I, you know, it's not wine, you know, factual wine. It's positive, factual, positive. And so um, and I and I think that's powerful uh, because we all have that. How many, you know, with with me, I work with a lot of people. There are gaps. There is an ageism issue, or as I call it, just an ism issue. There's all sorts of isms out there, racism, baldism, yeah, um, ageism. But 
to deal with the tough stuff in a very positive way. I think it's just is powerful. We don't have to rub from it, but we also don't have to dwell on it. As a salesman, when I when we get an objection, I don't mind asking you questions about why you're asking me about a particular issue. When it when comes time to talk, and I'm curious about your feedback on this, because because not everything in sales translates over. But in sales, when we're getting an objection, when we're in a difficult area, my rule of thumb is once it's your turn to talk, briskly and quickly, the longer you stay on this, the more life you breathe into the objection. So sometimes that hiring manager or that you know, recruiter, it's not that big a deal. They're just coming down a list. But in our head, we go, oh, no, it's the Columbia thing again. And we get we get too wrapped up into too long a story and we've created the objection. What are your thoughts of that? Does that translate over into what yes. you're saying? Yes. So what you're basically saying, I call it most of a self-inflicting mistake that we make where, you know, it's OK to talk about our mistakes. It's OK to to make that mistake. You don't want to make that mistake twice, or you don't want to dwell in that mistake and 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 live in there because you you know once you live in that mistake, you can't live in misery, right? right. And rejection, rejection, and failure—it it sounds like a miserable concept, but you don't want to live in that. You just have to take on the positive lessons from those you know those experiences and then move it forward. Failing forward is important more rather than failing behind in mm-hmm. in your misery. We have a book title of Failing Forward and out there yet? No, I don't know. That's okay. Yeah. You know what you're going to do when we finish this podcast? <laughs> Go grab that. <laughs> I, I, may, I may cut it out, although now everyone's hearing me talk about it. But uh, in any case, that's very powerful. I, I think that's, that's really interesting. Um, failing Forward. You know, it's when you mentioned that for me, and I used to do some hiring um, interviews for Xerox. I never minded hearing somebody who had had an issue, but once I heard it a second time, once I heard the same scenario in a, with a second company, what scared me off was, uh-oh, am I dealing with a victim here? And that worries me. I, I, we, you know, we, we all get, we all have issues. We all work through them as you have done, as you basically picked yourself up by your bootstraps and made yourself greater for them. But when we take that victim chair, that's what scares me. In other words, their fault. I didn't do anything wrong. It's kind of the mantra of a victim. It wasn't, I didn't do anything. It was them. Really? You know? I'll also say this. It's also another concept in the book, too, that you, you have to put the blame on yourself. It's not your fault that things may not go your way. The weather may be bad. Traffic sucks on the way to work. Things that you can't you can't avoid, right? Um, it's inevitable. As far as um, downsizing within a company, you may be off the hook. As far as you may you may you may get terminated, which is yeah. fine. It's not your fault, but you have to put the blame on yourself. You have to hold yourself accountable. Once you hold yourself accountable, to your point, you I will not be a victim, and I won't make the same mistakes twice. Right. So if I failed, if I and I apply fifteen hundred different ways, right? I'll get. I'll have to receive fifteen hundred different um, lessons from those rejections. It can't yeah. be the same one twice because it doesn't. It means that I didn't learn from my mistakes. Right. Yeah. You're you're kind of like the Thomas Edison of 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 job failure in a sense because yeah. wasn't it Edison who had like thirteen hundred or some some crazy number of uh, maybe finish that story off for me. I see you nodding. Uh, 
about the rejections or the mistakes he made working on a light bulb, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, on a light bulb. Yeah, he, I think it was patents that he was he was he was trying to put out, and those applications were getting rejected back to back. Right. Yeah, right. So, and he said, I didn't fail. I found 1200 things that didn't work, you know, or whatever. But but it's it's a very, a very famous quote out there. And I think it kind of breathes life into uh, your philosophy a little bit. Let's move it to the resume, because you write about creating a rejection resume. Um, and I need you to explain that one to me, because uh, resumes are tricky and I'm never sure which one's right. So what do you mean by that? So we have a traditional resume, which mm -hmm. basically highlights our accomplishments, our awards, um, our experiences, everything that we, we've accomplished. And we've graduated, so we put that on, graduate from university, we put that on a resume. All of our accomplishments, the goals that we finished. The rejection resume is the complete opposite. It highlights our mistakes and our failures. So in that rejection resume, you're going to see the amount of schools that rejected me, the amount of organization that rejected me. If I was terminated, if I if I got fired, that would be on a resume. On um, if I if I was if I got dropped if I dropped out of school, that would be on a resume. If I was on academic probation, that would be on a rejection resume. If there was organization that that basically rejected my application to speak at their conference, that was also added on, onto the resume. The failures. If I proposed to my girlfriend and I was rejected. Right. It's embarrassing, but that's also going to be on my resume. But but that but let's and that rep but that resume doesn't find itself into an employer's hands, does it? Oh, I see. This is, what's that? This is why I said it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be on in an employer's hands. Okay. Good. Good. All right. This this just goes on the wall somewhere. <laughs> or it can go on social media. Okay. You can share that. You can share that and provide context to, you know, the fact that you may have accomplished so much. However, you can't take away from the fact that you've been rejected and it's, it was not an easy, it was not an easy journey on the way to succeed. Do you put things like that? Are you, are you on Facebook yourself? Yes. Okay. Do you put things like that on your Facebook page? Yes. I wish I could reach through the screen and shake your hand. I, I um, you know, I don't want to be the, the guy standing out by, by his front door going, get off my yard, you know, and, and complain about Facebook. But I, I secretly have always called it brag book. It's just nothing but, the, you know, my children got into a great school. Well, that's wonderful. But my children are really nervous, you know, when that happened because they were trying to get into great school. My children just got great jobs. We are doing when they look at us in Tahiti. And, um, it, it, it does not inspire, let's put it that way. And I wish, you know, let, let's you and I will create a platform called Real Book or something. And I don't mind hearing about your successes, but life consists of ups and downs and yings and yangs. And uh, if you really want to share your life with me, just share it evenly. That's all. And I'll, and I'll do the same. I wish there were more people. I went, you know, back, way back when, when I collected my 300 friends or whatever, I wish I'd been more careful and said, yeah, I'll let you in, but I want the real story. <laughs> I, don't want, yeah. I don't want this other story not helping us. I, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's the same mindset. Okay. Yeah. People may think that I've, and I've said it in the cast, people may think that I've succeeded and I've accomplished so much, but look at this. Look at the real, look at the real process, the process that got me to where I'm at today. Yeah. Look at that. 
then be inspired. I'm, I'm going to share that. I'm going to share it, not only the resume, but the resume will continue to evolve itself, right? right. I, as, as I continue to like try to achieve greatness, I'm going to fail. I'm right. going to continue to share my failures, the rejections, failures, all the negative experience that I've had. Take the positive lesson from it and then come on the other side and succeed. So I'm only I'm sharing both. I'm sharing two coins of this, the, 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 the pendulum here because I know for a fact that it's going to be boring. It's boring to just share positivity all the time. Right. Because we know it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I just wish people would understand that, that it's okay. Share it all. Um, there are certain things I, I you know, not going to share with people I don't know, but if you're putting it out there, just even it up a little bit. Okay. You, you, um, you talk about bending the rules to your favor. Uh, and before we get there, I'm, I'm going to, at the end of the show, I'm going to remind people about this book, but it sounds like a great book. Tell me the title again. And where, where can we get it from? The Perfect Rejection Resume. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the title of the book. Um, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes Good. and Nobles, Walmart, you name it. It's, it's everywhere. Where, Good. It's Online store is great. And how about, is there an audio book for it? Uh, no, that's a good idea. I didn't have a, I didn't have an audio version. It's only it's only ebook and and, and paperback. Okay, yeah. yeah, jump on that. Um, uh, push back and see if you can get that done. Uh, there's just certain people that really love to, just like those who are probably listening to this show, they'd love to hear that in their car or when they're out on a run or something like that. So uh, let me just put that bug in your ear and uh, help us all because it sounds like a, just a terrific book, Eli. And um, I think people need to read this. There's so many people that are struggling, not just with the job part, but even the Facebook part. Um, and so uh, I just think you really have some uh, very refreshing ideas. All right. But you like to bend the rules. Let's go back. to it. I want to hear about how you bend the rules to your favor. So we know that rules are man-made. Human, mm -hmm. human created the rule. If, and I'm pretty sure... <laughs> When you're driving out, right, you're driving, you're, you're obeying the rules. What about the cops that are in emergency? And when it's emergency time, they don't have to, they don't have to abide by the rules. Right. How come some people can abide by the rules at any given time and then we can't? And, I, and, and when it comes to the professional side, right, we apply, we apply the same way that thousands of other people apply. We apply online, we send our resumes in. We go through the interviewing process and then hopefully we get we get the the um, offer right that's basically the rule submit your resume submit your qualifications get picked to do the interview and then get get hired what about someone who comes in who, who does not need a resume right they come in and then they they get referral they get referred and their profile gets pushed up they get pushed up and up the line Right, we have to wait in line. How come someone can skip the line and then get get first first priority on this opportunity that we're that we're all applying for, right? And in terms of bending the rules, I know that your advisors, your mentors, your sponsors, they can help you bend the rules. Because in the hiring process, right, if you get a referral, I'm pretty sure you will get a better or high priority as far as the job goes. Good. I'm glad you you provide. I was just going to pop in with, give me an example. But while you were saying, I was thinking, well, 80, 80 to 85% of the jobs I hear go to network connections. 
Um, there's certainly some bending of the rules, nothing unethical, but rather than being in that big stack of resumes, we're going to put you in this little stack. You're still going to have to go in and do, and, and do the job, but we can get you out of the, in, in the book world. I don't know if you know this, but with publishers, a lot of them will call it orphan, the orphan leads or the orphan manuscripts of those that are just kind of coming in. Uh, a lot of publishers are getting a lot of manuscripts to have a connection of somebody that says, listen, I can at least get it in the editor's hands. I can get it in the hiring manager's hands. The rest is going to be up to you and your resume and all the things you've done, but we're going to get a fair shot at this. You will be seen. That's an example to you of bending the rules. Yes. Got it. Okay. And that's, and it's, it's predicated upon who you know. So it's not only what you know. What you know is basically a byproduct of understanding the rules of the game. Understanding the rules of the game helps you know what you know. Right. Bending right. the rules and being the exception to the rules, you have to understand who you know and who knows you. Right. Right. I can say, I know you, Rob. I know Rob, man. We did a great podcast. But if you don't know me in return, then I will not be able to bend the rule as effectively as I can. Right. So this is where networking comes into play because network, networking can help you bend the rules in any aspect. Just like in, in the social aspect, right? There's a big, there's a long line into the club to get into the club. If you're in a VIP section, you know someone in the VIP section. You don't have to wait online. You don't have to, we don't have to wait in line for that. Right. You need to get access to first, first access into the, the club as well. So it's the same in, in terms of within the, the professional aspect where if you know someone and that person knows you, if you know an executive, a chief executive officer, right? It's easier for you to get hired within that, that organization rather than not knowing anyone else and going in blindly. Right. And before you know anybody gets excited here and says, well, that doesn't seem fair. I just want you to know that the um, hiring managers that I know and the editors that I know consider it a favor when I bring them a candidate. So um, it's, this is not a tawdry type of favor here. They're at basically saying, can you give me somebody that you vetted out because we're vetting out people and I trust you? Because I remember thinking at first, I hope I'm not bothering this person by bringing up candidates until they say, bothering me, you're helping us. So um, yeah, we're using the term bending the rules right now, but I really think this is a win. It's one of the reasons why, at least for me, I'm put, I think most people who are job seekers have a more of a marketing issue than a sales issue. Uh, you know, if you have way too many interviews and nobody wants to hire you, you come to me. I'll talk to you about how you're selling yourself. But most, I see you nodding. Most of us find people. There's nothing in the pipeline. There, there. It's a very anemic list of of opportunities they're chasing, and they think that it, that they're falling down in the interviews. It's a numbers game, but the numbers go up when we market ourselves better. And when we, as you say, bend the rules. And also, most people don't even know how to how to market themselves as well. So even using a rejection resume is one way to market yourself. You can put yourself out there and say, look, I've, I've been through so much, um, you know, and they people tend to gravitate towards that story. And then they may give you an opportunity just because you were brave enough to even share your 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 imperfections here. Right. They, they will say, OK, you know what? I'll give you a shot. You seem brave. You seem like you have you have some some form of um, bravery here and within yourself. And you know, with that, you we can translate that into other areas here. Yeah. 
That's all they need for you to market yourself. That's smart. All right, two more questions. Although I could ask you 10 more, I don't want to hold you up. Uh, in your book, you mentioned that time is your biggest competition. Walk me through that. So we are, when we, when we consider ourselves, or we always talk about ourselves being our biggest competitors. Mm-hmm. Here to tell the time. Um, I'm going to compete against myself. I'm the only, I'm, I'm only competing, I'm competing against the man in the mirror. That's what we, we always say this. I'm competing against myself and I'm trying to become the best version of myself. That's nice. But if you put a deadline on that, on your, your competition against yourself, you'll realize that you're competing against time, right? Think of it like this, when you're running track and you're competing against the other, the other guys on, on the track field, you're competing against yourself and trying to become a, trying to become the best version of yourself and get a better time to have your personal best. But you realize that you have to get to that line at a particular time. There's a deadline. This is why I tell people, put a deadline on all of your goals. You have to have a new landlord by, by a certain amount of time because you realize that time is constantly evolving. And you will always be behind if you're not if you're not basically setting deadlines on for your goals and setting deadlines for yourself. This is why I always I'm always in competition with time because you never know when time is going to run out. No. You never know. Time is your greatest asset, but it's also your greatest competitor here because you never really know when time will be up. So you want to accomplish as much as you as you need to accomplish with respect to your rent being due every day. So that way you have your grade and you can optimize your, your time and manage your time wisely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that it really does all kind of boil down to time. And I'd like to think that maybe one of the many lessons that we got out of today's podcast is that, uh, you know, why not embrace your failures? Why not? Um, uh, you know, I, I go sort of change it just a little bit in terms of don't be afraid to fail. Don't, don't, don't avoid an opportunity because the odds don't look real good because in the end, we only have so much time. And um, I would hate, and I know for, for many of us, it's when fear holds us back that we're really not on our game. Eli, have you ever um, seen the movie Defending Your Life? Yes, I actually did. You have. Okay, where the man goes through, it's uh, goes through his version of what death is like, mm-hmm. and he is basically as a defender and a prosecutor, and they're analyzing his life, and the criteria, and the only criteria they're using is, did fear hold you back, or were you able to overcome your fear and really go for things? It wasn't about success. It was just about not being afraid to try. Um, and, and that movie really stays with me. I think it was a wonderful theme. And I think some of our greatest days are when we, um, even when we fail, when we go, yeah, but you know what? I laced them up when I tried. And it's, it's, and the thing is, when, when I say time is, is your greatest competitor, you know, when it's crunch time and you have to, you have to be in a clutch, you know, time is, time is against you right now. And you're in a clutch you have a different perspective towards your goals. It's, it's, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much when, you know, I'm a basketball guy. 
I'm a basketball guy, and the time is winding down. When we look at guys like Michael Jordan and Kobe, we rely on them to, to make a play. They know they're not, it's not only you that they're trying to, to, to overcome and, and beat. They try to over and they're trying to get as much as as they can with a small amount of time, right? right? And and they and they're they're not in survival mode. They need to they need to get it done. They're in kill mode. And I know when when time is your greatest competitor, that's when you're in that mode and you're in that zone where you. I mean, there's nothing that can that can stop you as far as trying to get and overcome. You know whatever you need to overcome to get what you need to get. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, of course. We see all Jordan's great shots and the maze, but uh, I'm not so Jordan. So sure Jordan is necessarily the first one to mention this, but it's certainly been out there of how many shots he missed at the buzzer, how many, how many pressure shots he missed, but that's not the reason why we don't even really need to dwell on that is because that's not in Michael Jordan's mindset. He wants the ball and he knows that because he's well-trained as an athlete, that more likely than not, he'll be successful, but but no success is guaranteed. And again, I think that sort of translates into where we are right now, which is we're not telling you you're not going to fail, but we're telling you is you certainly don't want fear to hold you back. Uh, and uh, just to, uh, you know, not be afraid of being rejected. I am anyway, I, I, the topic is a, is a wonderful topic. I really can't wait to, to get a look at this book of yours. Um, I, just so you know, the publicists always offer to send me uh, books. I, I refuse them all because when I really like a guest like you, I want to buy the book so I can give you a verified review on that book. Um, it sounds like a terrific book. That's really um, going to be very helpful to a lot of people. One last question for you and I'll let you go. We're talking about different failures. Tell me uh, uh, one of the one of the biggest failures, not that frequency one, but it, give me one last failure that you've had that you learned from. When I was in undergrad, um, I took seven classes in one semester. It was a lot. It was twenty one credits. Right. Failed, I failed two classes. I remember failing linear algebra. I was a math major. So I remember failing linear algebra and probability and statistics. What I learned from that experience is you may be an academic, you may be on the verge of academic probation, but if you, within time, right, with time being your greatest competitor, you can graduate the very next semester despite the fact that you are in at the end of your second year of college, you're, you're a sophomore about to become a junior, you failed two classes, but then you still graduated one year later. It's possible. Um, another thing that, that, I, that I learned from that experience is, you know, you never know that the lessons, the, the classes that you failed in will probably be the, the, the classes that you will need the most upon graduation because I'm teaching stats right now and right. I failed stats. So um, just understanding that I think that was the greatest, that was a turning point in my life because I was facing academic probation. I was on the verge of getting kicked off, uh, kicked out of Queens College, but I ended up graduating and I took 10 courses the next semester, 30 credits. And, I've, and I, did, I did well. 
Um, so that 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 experience alone, that was my greatest by far. Without the frequency, like the amount is just that that moment. That was that turning moment, that turning point in my life where I I had the you know it's all it's all or nothing at that point. Yeah, excellent. Uh, and you know what? How we started. That's your story. That's the part that net funny that that part fuels you. That's a that's a story you tell you want to tell your children, um, you know. And again, our my, our lives to our children and our loved ones aren't Facebook lives; they're real lives, and that's a real story. And and um, and thank you for telling that. That's that's powerful. Uh, if we had more time, I'd tell you one of mine. But oh, I'm sorry. Looks like we're about out of time here, or at least I'm saying we're out of time. Uh, listen, folks, the, the book is The Perfect Projection Resume, A Reader's Guide to Building a Career Through Failure, which I think is really interesting. And one more time, uh, how can people get a hold of you, Eli? Um, you can contact me. Um, my, my handle is the same on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. It is D-R-E-L-I-J-O-S-E-P-H, Dr. Eli Joseph. Same as my website as well, D-R-E-L-I-J-O-S-E-P-H. And I'm available anywhere. Uh, I like to talk and engage with people and, and provide some inspiration. So um, feel free to connect with me here at this podcast and beyond here. Perfect. And I'll have all your um, contact information um, on our page as well. So if you're listening to this, just go to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you're going to see show notes for the for the venue you're using, and um, you'll be able to find his information there too. Eli, uh, terrific conversation. Really uh, grateful for the time that you spent with us today. And uh, I really applaud your honesty. Your information is great, but your honesty is off the charts. And um, I, I, you taught me a few lessons today. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Rob. I really appreciate you. You bet. Well, we'll do it again as well as we can next time, everybody. Until then, stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.